talked with Graham from Go Fast Campers, Phil Circle from last episode with Madison. They were uh, the first, one of the first to get a Go Fast Camper and did not plan it to be this way, but we ended up scheduling a time to talk uh, in the morning the other day and, and here we are. Uh, we talk about uh, working in a rural area working in the industry that they are in and community and you know camping and all that stuff so um hopefully we can get these out every couple weeks and stack them up but till then you can enjoy this one i guess and yeah and here it is so i think we where we can start is like who are you and what do you do <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm Graham from Go Fast Campers, uh, one of the one of the co-founders, and I'm basically the brand director for Go Fast. In the previous episode two, we had Madison, and she has a Go Fast camper, and I didn't realize that it would come full circle. On oh the yeah, next totally. one. But yeah, she she loves hers. It's pretty uh, pretty rad to see the photos of her working out of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, they were one of our one of our first customers. So they were living out of Big Sky for a while, and then traveled around a bunch over the summer, and then kind of settled in in Bozeman. And so I don't I don't know I don't have much back history on Go Fast Campers. I know that it's like a year old or so, so yep. it's really fairly new. And you guys are killing it, obviously, like with. Uh, the marketing and stuff is so I, mean, I i i think it's really good um and the people that you guys kind of like interact with you know i appreciate that um yeah i've got a really good team um one of my co-founders uh wiley who's the basically like the president and ceo of the company is just an absolute genius um in terms of design and uh, product development and process so we were able to pretty much yeah i mean i can should I like start with like kind of the brand story, how it all started? Yeah. So uh, five years ago or so, I was working in offshore oil and gas off the west coast of Africa in a country called Equatorial Guinea. And oh. after doing that for a little while, it was super miserable. And I met my wife and didn't want to do rotational work anymore. So I moved back to Bozeman and started a company building like super high-end giant adventure vehicles with a friend. And basically did that for a little while. And then Wiley, my partner, hit me up and he had a CNC machine shop called Hondo Garage that builds like phone mounts for motorcycles and for Tacomas and like high end off road applications and just really cool, innovative manufacturing techniques. And he wanted to build a camper because he'd been going out of Baja forever in like an Astro van. And okay, yeah. yeah, he went down there in Astro vans, Tacomas grew up doing like long travel desert stuff and I grew up kind of around that stuff too. And, uh, trying to find something that we could build that was 
pretty much heirloom quality, like rebuildable indefinitely, but at a price people could afford. And the whole goal there was volume. So we started prototyping some stuff and came up with GoFast campers. And it's been, yeah, a year, um, kind of a rocket ship the last, the last 12 months, but it's been really yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that it's like designed is so like, kind of like over-engineered in a way, you know what I mean? Like it's so, uh, it looks like it could be a pl- like the T track and stuff. You know, it's all yeah, uh, super useful. Um, and then I didn't, I haven't seen, I didn't see one before Jason. So um, you know, you'd see it, you see it on online, and like it looks rad in photos. But then when you see it in person, it's a little, it's different because it. Well, I thought it was a lot bigger than it than I thought. You know what I mean? Like in person, it's like, um, but it 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 like looks high end in a way. I don't know how else to explain it. It just looks really good. Well, like the engineering of it is good. (laughs) I appreciate that. And I'm sure Wiley will too. Uh, yeah, basically it was designed to keep your truck bit more or less the, the, the design ethos behind it was to keep your truck as your truck. So you still have a utilitarian vehicle to daily drive, you're not taking yeah. this like big awkward camper on and off your truck every time you want to have an adventure, and then yeah. also so you could like jump it off road. Those were like the yeah, two parameters. Yeah, the, the the structure I thought was like, I mean, like it's made out of steel and aluminum. I'm right. Is the bottom bars are steel, um, so it's obviously super durable um, versus like I guess other options that are out there like camper style and stuff you know i don't know if you should jump a like a one of those pop-up camper kind of things but yeah not uh, typically <laughs> for sure um unless but, you have a really smooth jump yeah um but but yeah otherwise it, it just looks really it looks pretty rad and it's like it's kind of looks a little tactical in a way which is kind of fun it's like super mo- simple and modern i guess but um so how so it grew from from trying to solve a problem outdoors really like trying to uh to be out in baja and and uh and not really stay in hotels and all that stuff so where do you think you guys are going to go with it with the go fast i know you, you did now you're doing rooftop tents so um obviously building off those two platforms probably yeah, so we're we're diversifying into into multiple product lines. Um, so right now we have the the Go Fast Camper and the rooftop tent, and we're building out like like you said, we're building out those product lines. So we support virtually every modern truck made period with the Go Fast Camper, and we're we're working on an eight foot bed version to launch at some point this year. So that's that's kind of our next little frontier for go fast in the near future. And then the rooftop tent is really cool. It functions as its own roof rack and it it's still pretty early days on the marketing of that and we've been just throttled down with everything else so we haven't done a, the best job of explaining how it works. Yeah. But the whole idea was to make it be the thinnest rooftop tent ever built and it's definitely one of the lightest. It's like 135 pounds. And there might even oh, shave a little bit of weight off of that. But basically, keeping it six inches thick means that you still fit in garages. And then, I don't know about you, but like 
probably 90% of my truck driving in terms of like the time that I start the car up. I'm not going on an adventure if it's my daily and yeah. to like not compromise like your daily drivability and your fuel economy and just like the general performance of your vehicle by having a giant rooftop tent on the, on the top is a pretty big value add. Um, yeah. Like our, our, uh, our tent on a fifth gen four owner with our mount kit is only like about two inches taller than most roof racks that go on a forerunner. So like we take off the existing stock roof rack and then we actually do an antenna delete and pull the back section of the headliner. We build a new 3d printed housing that replaces the stock factory antenna housing and the antenna still works, but it's just much lower profile because that shark fin antenna that they come stock with is really tall. So we drop yeah. it low to the roof as possible. So it's like half an inch off the sheet metal. And then the overall stack height's like massively, massively lower than anything else out there. And then you save a bunch of weight and a bunch of money too, because you're not mounting it on top of a already existing expensive roof rack. So if you're yeah, yeah. like some high end overland roof rack and then mount a tent to it, you're adding 80 pounds and a thousand bucks. And that's not part of our system. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, maybe, well, I have the front runner, so it's probably the same height with with that so it's like i are well then the rooftop tents like you know however 12 inches tall or whatever it is but um but yeah it can be like a parachute on the back of the, yeah. on the top of the back of the truck definitely yeah and can't go I, into garages yeah and when you're driving off road like keeping those i mean we're a we're really a product driven company we're not a brand driven company so we're not bringing in products that don't add value for our customer to sell, to build our brand, basically, if that makes sense. So it's not, we're not selling t-shirts and stuff. We're selling like products that are engineered and innovative. Yeah. And, uh, basically that means if we can, um, optimize performance, that's what we're always going to do. And when you put a 200 pound tent, that's 14 inches tall on the roof of your car, you're going to raise that overall center of gravity significantly. So keeping that as low as possible means that you can pitch it harder into a corner, um, when you're going off road to initiate a slide or whatever you want to do. And for 99.9% .9 of our customers that don't plan to do that, it just means that it's going to handle better on road. So we kind of use that performance driving case as like the design parameter that's going to affect how it works for you. Even if you're not the person doing that, it's going to make everything that you do better because it's going to handle better. It's going to handle better in evasive maneuvering. If you ever have that issue, it'll be more fun to drive. It won't affect fuel economy as much. So basically all of these like performance tenants that we tout so hard are really beneficial and it, um, especially durability too. Cause like if we advertise this thing as like being quote unquote huckable, um, if you don't do that, it'll last that much longer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, my truck is so tall that getting anything off like the top of the roof was kind of ideal because, well, on the last trip, I had to winch my truck like straight off of a hill because I practically almost rolled over <laughs> and just that 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 weight on the top of the truck just makes you feel like it's gonna tip over because you have like a full like a full rack and a and a you know almost 200 pound tent or whatever it is deleting all that would be ideal you know and 
and also keeping the truck lighter would be great because I don't get the best gas mileage. But yeah, no, and, and minimizing that overall form factor just means that you'll fit a lot more places too. Even if it's just on the trail, you know, you're not dragging through trees as much. Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. For a lot of folks that live in a city, parking garages. I mean, some of them still have like a seven foot, seven foot three ceiling, and like with my camper on my, uh, I've got that Raptor on thirty sevens. I still fit mm-hmm. in parking garages if I'm like driving into LA or San Francisco or something, which is not everyone, of course, because oh, not really? all for trucks. But yeah, I mean, the whole goal is to like be totally. So being in Bozeman, we don't have the ability to like go to the city very often. So if we're traveling, a lot of times we're going to go to like Death Valley and, um, I mean, out in the middle of nowhere, Grand Staircase, whatever. Um, and then we'll head into the city and like go experience what that's like too. So going to San Francisco, going to LA. Um, and I'm not saying that's all of us cause Wiley would disagree with me cause he doesn't like hanging out in cities, but yeah. for me, like I, I want to go, if I'm going to drive to South America, I want to go experience everything. And I don't want to have a vehicle that limits me only to driving in the desert, you know, and like only driving in, in places where there's, there's no people and the roads are gigantic. So yeah. being like pulling to pull into a city somewhere that has small old roads and park somewhere that I have to go through a gate, like just minimizing overall size. And also like, my old truck was, I built this, uh, Ram on 41s and it had this giant aluminum camper on the back and it was like 10 and a half feet tall. And it was just kind of an intimidating thing to roll up and like, yeah, you go somewhere remote and people know that you're there and <laughs> it's, it's just a yeah. lot, you know, it's not stealth at all. Um, no. but even driving, driving that in the city would be such a pain in the ass too. Um, the only other like, is that people get out of your way. <laughs> yeah, that's literally, a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So so I saw. Um. I was poking around on Desk to Glory's uh, uh YouTube channel, and I saw the the Dirt Camp kind of series or like the the trip that you guys did. Um, yep. Which is which is cool. It um. It's. It's it's cool to me when brands kind of like put community in the, into the, like their their like marketing or whatever um, because obviously you guys are selling to it seems like a lot of a lot of people that will obviously all have the same undertone you know going outdoors and stuff but um, are you guys thinking about doing something like that like on a on a public level where you like invite customers or whatever? Absolutely. Um, so for 2019, I'm definitely planning on, uh, and GoFast is definitely planning on putting on some events, probably uh-huh. just regional stuff so like Pacific Northwest, uh, Front Range, Colorado, Utah desert, um, and SoCal and just basically doing meetups where like whether or not you have a go fast, I don't, doesn't really matter. We want them to be super inclusive. Um, and all of our customers are really nice people. Like it's been, I've met a lot of them because I did a lot of the installs driving around the country and meeting up with folks and installing it at their work or their house. And there's a lot of people, like, like you said, with shared interests. And also we want to really encourage people to go out and not feel like they have to, I guess, this is kind of like a little bit of a tangent, but we have a, uh, we kind of want to 
move away from like tactical like quote unquote overland style travel because like yeah. really we're just going camping and we want people <laughs> to like go out for the weekend and like set up camp and maybe like you don't need to spend three months on Gaia planning out a route. You can just go tool around and like find a fun place to go and just spend a weekend out. And if you roll into some place where it's hard to find a campsite and it's, I mean, all you have to do is pop your truck and you're good to go. Like you can go camping kind of anywhere and really just getting exploring and kind of putting that adventure and not taking yourself super seriously, um, back into that equation. So it's not like, I'm learning knife fighting so I can go to Baja because like I'm never going to kill someone over my truck period. Like (laughs) much rather give them my truck than kill people. Um, so we just want to promote people responsibly using land, really utilizing public land because it's an incredible resource that we're, we're pretty exclusively like there, there isn't much like that out there, um, in the world in general and being able to just go out and explore for days and days on back roads um, is a, is a pretty neat thing and being able to be prepared enough to go out and have those adventures without having to feel like you need to carry your entire house with you is really what we're all about. So setting up those events is going to be a way for folks to meet other people that are into that kind of a thing. But also I really want people to feel like they can take this opportunity to like learn about how to travel and meet up with people that are maybe better at them better at it than they are, but like not throwing shade around that. So I don't want like, I mean, what we don't want is people to feel like they have to drive fast or they have to have like some certain amount of like camping badges. Like this, that's not how like this works. Like what we want to do is yeah. just be just really encouraging and like the go fast camper lead truck will be in the back, you know, and just like making sure that everybody's having a good time and showing people showing people our product, but also just creating that community and creating that support around the product. Yeah. I think, uh, I think education is, uh, kind of the most overlooked thing in this whole realm. Um, cause there's a lot of talk about like, um, like tagging locations and kind of, you know, that whole, uh, ruining kind of the outdoors, <laughs> I guess yeah. is the, the easiest way to say it. Um, and then like, yeah, like leave no trace and all those little things that prolong that public land, uh, life. And, um, cause if we don't really follow those rules, they're not going to, they're not going to stay open. Um, and I think education is super key just to like, I think people like for me, I, look, not everyone knows everything. So you, there's always something to learn and it's great to talk with other people. And basically that's what this podcast is. It's just like, maybe you caught on to something and you learned something new and like, you know, now you're off on that, uh, leg of like your journey or whatever, you know, the, the internet is so vast. It's like hard to narrow it down sometimes. Yeah. And really like, I think the way to promote that culture is not by like making fun of people and like publicly shaming them. And yeah. like if some if somebody makes a bad choice, like that's totally like not cool that they did that. But at the same time, like the way to do that isn't to like spam their account and like flame them on the internet constantly. I mean, there might be a might be a case where somebody like doesn't care 
and that's that's terrible. But if they, yeah. and chances are they're a person, and they they want like they they didn't know any better, or they just didn't think about it. And really, like creating a conversation where they can have that opportunity to be like, maybe in the future I won't do that because like you go to In and Out parking lot or something like that, and people drive away with their trash on the ground, and I always yeah. wonder why they do that. And it's like maybe they just were. Maybe their parents did that and that's what they were brought up as. And rather than like publicly shaming and making fun of that person, just have like a real conversation about like, Hey, why are you doing that? You know? And that same thing goes for yeah. like, like, like strategic use and, and, and responsible use of, of BLM property where it's like, I wouldn't go into your house and like drink a beer and then break it on your floor. You know, like that's yeah. like, that's just not like, that's not cool. And I'm not going to like just tell everybody on the internet that this guy's a dick. Cause he did that. I'm, like I'd rather have that conversation with that person and create a culture that promotes responsible use just because it'll be that much better for them because they're going to keep using it well. And cause we don't, we really don't want to like discourage people from going out, you know? I mean, it, I don't want this to be like, yeah, like it doesn't want, you don't want it to be like this, like locals only like surfer thing. You want it to be like going out and people that are out there are respectful and, and nice people that you'd want to hang out with anyway. Yeah. I think that's the uh, the difference between, that like i guess movie-esque like surfer thing versus like the camping and outdoors it's like very uh like open to anyone's interpretation it's like it's just we're just going out and spending the night outdoors you know what i mean it's not very uh uh exclusive in any way it's just it's there it's for anyone to use (laughs) and it's like the other thing is, is you don't need to take yourself so seriously doing that, you know? I mean, yeah. and like, I'm, I mean, you as in just the general like population that of folks that are on Instagram overlanding, it's like, I mean, I'm all oh. about like people having the right to go shoot cans out in the desert. And as long as they clean that up, like, I don't really care. But that said, uh, like, you don't need to have a gun for, for, I mean, I'm not saying that entirely, like you don't ever need this, but like you don't need to be afraid to go camping, you know? Yeah. Um, And and you don't need the, the, those tools that everyone else has to do it either. Like, (laughs) yeah, you don't, you don't need the crazy hundred thousand dollar truck at all. (laughs) You could use a Walmart tent, you know? Yeah, no, like a yank strap and some max tracks are, basically anything most in a way to change a tire and a spare tire that's functional and air compressor is pretty much like the tools that you need to like get out of almost any situation as opposed to like thinking that you need a winch and a winch bumper and then a dual swing rear bumper and then full skid plates and rock sliders it's like if you know you need that stuff you probably do but if you are just like going camping on movie flats road on at the Alabama Hills, like chances are like you don't need like a full on like hundred thousand dollar recovery equipped vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, you just need a car. You can drive that stuff so easily. <laughs> yeah, and that's what uh, Go Fast is all about is like you like we don't have winch equipped vehicles and we we go on some pretty tough trails and stuff but like and i've had trucks with winches before and it's like unless i'm really getting out and like rock crawling and like needing this stuff it's it kind of just slows you down and it, it adding uh, adding excess weight and stuff that you don't need to your truck just makes everything about your truck either more expensive or more prone to break or both so yeah 
our whole ethos is keep your truck as light as you can, keep it as simple as you can, keep your truck as your daily, um, and kind of get the most use out of it and save, save your money for, for fuel, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, I think I, I had like the Montero right now is built beyond any, uh, I've ever like beyond any car that I've ever had or truck or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's, it's awesome. I like how it, I like how it's built out and stuff. It's just like, but man, daily driving it is, it is brutal. So that's why I do have two cars, but (laughs) yeah. Um, And don't get me wrong. Like building a truck like that is super fun. So like, if if part of your hobby is like wrenching on your truck and you want to throw a winch bumper on there and you want to put a winch in it, like more power to you just know going into it, like why you're doing it. Like don't, do it because you think you have to do it because you either want to, or you like know that you need to, but like it kind of like just promoting intentionality in builds where it's more of if you're putting 35s in your Tacoma and you spend all your money on winches and bumpers and you can't afford to regear it. It's like rethink your priorities, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I, that, that part of it is like, um, I, I see this in LA. I think a lot is where, I mean, I don't know the stories between these trucks or whatever, but you see a lot of trucks that are getting built out, and I've never seen them outdoors. And I'm like, what is it? Is this like the new tuner kind of culture? I don't, I'm not sure, but it's interesting how people build all these trucks, and I'm like, well, what are we doing with them? You know what I mean? Um, but it's rad to see when people spend the money and then they're outdoors, like smashing on trails or whatever you know what i mean it's like uh it's an interesting dynamic (laughs) Um, especially in la culture you know people people do stuff to to show off i guess in a way but um but i guess it's it's just like wrenching on cars i've always had a car that i wanted to mess around with i guess so it's kind of fun yeah i mean everybody needs a hobby and there definitely is a a certain proponent of the the off-road vehicle build community that's basically just like the new version of the the fast and the furious demographic from the early 2000s with a jdm integra kind of a deal um yeah and i think that that totally exists and people do build trucks just to kind of mall crawl with and i mean if that's as long as you're into it and that's what you're doing like i'm not gonna like make fun of those people it's like I guess you're, you're having a good time. So why would I, why, why would yeah. I ever get, get mad about that? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. It's like, they're cool. With they, what, what difference is it just to us? <laughs> yeah. All it does is like makes their parts cheaper when they sell their truck. Probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> Someone if, benefits from it. Yeah, exactly. And if, if Warren can make another, 30% more winches that year they can justify to increase their volume and lower their price or whatever it is. It makes it better for everyone. The more, the more product that gets point. sold in this community, the, the more commoditized it becomes. And that was yeah. really our goal is to like be able to take a product that was previously a luxury good. Um, in, in that campers were all, I mean, you were, you weren't really able to find anything for five grand. It was all like 10,000 bucks and up no matter what you were looking at. And we wanted to take that and kind of pull the essence out of like what most folks are using it for and then 
design it for the stuff that we wanted to use it for too, which is being able to still drive like there's no camper on the back of your truck and, yeah. and make that super high quality at a, at a price that folks could afford. And I, I think we've, we've done a good job towards that goal just because the, our build quality. And I mean, I'm, I'm bragging on Wiley, I'm not bragging on, on my, my design work. Wiley's just so good at being able to manufacture things efficiently. Cause I don't know if you've seen, we don't, we're, we're coming out with some, some walk around videos of our shop that showcases some of the tech, but we've got like five axis robotic arms that run our CNC machines. So we can run 24 hours a day without oh, having wow. manning the, manning the operation. And, um, we're also a fully vertically integrated company, which means we do, well, we're almost fully vertically integrated. We do almost every process in house except for powder coat right now. So we have CNC line, anodizing line. We do all the tube notching. We all we do all the welding. We do all the panel forming, all the riveting, and all the assembly. Obviously, all the machining. So basically, we own every process, and we sew we sew the tents as well in house. So we do all the fabric work. So by owning all those processes, we're able to cut out all the middlemen where typically like a company would need to hire all this work out and make, and then those companies have to make money on that process. We're able to pass a lot of that value to the consumer. And then by going direct too, we're able to, to save a pretty significant dealer cost on the campers, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the biggest selling point for me is like it's America made and it's not like partly <laughs> it's like yeah. it's you know it's not like it's something sourced from somewhere else and then it's put together here um and uh what you what you what you find a lot of uh especially with uh automotive parts i think um but like yeah that's i think just the fact that um you're just bringing jobs you know or keeping them here is is amazing alone yeah no i'm that's my like one of my favorite things is we get to employ a lot of really cool people in bozeman um which is not typically a a manufacturing town it's more of a a tech and tourism town and it's uh it's it's neat to be able to provide a good place to live and create a cool work environment um to where where we can create a really really solid good team of people that are that are excited to live here and, and work on something cool yeah totally um i was like for a minute thinking about moving to montana but i just don't think i have the the work out there that as much as i do here so um we might have to hold on hold off on that that dream but um i, I went there for the first time this year oh cool for my, actually actually i went horseback riding in montana for my birthday um it was really really fun but yeah it's pretty it's pretty rad up there i want to we're gonna get up there soon there's a lot to see which is kind of why we did that first go fast dirt camp up there um yeah and that trip is going to get a published route to show um and a lot of the roads that we took were like roads people take that like for work and living like it's like the road that they take to get into town from their house so it's not oh, like wow. some like totally remote desert location it's like people live and live and work here and yeah yeah so that whole thing was done in bozeman that whole trip went from yellowstone to glacier basically so it's a thousand miles of of dirt more or less 
Oh, okay, cool. From, basically from Yellowstone area to Glacier area. So not specifically, we were just kind of northwest of Yellowstone and ended up a little bit south, uh, southwest of Glacier. Yeah, I we, we when we were in Montana or Wyoming, Montana, um, we tried to go, or we were thinking about going to Glacier, but it's, it's very far. It's a lot further than I thought it was. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like basically Canada. There's some roads <laughs> just north of just north of the park where like you can just drive along the Canadian border like way out in the mountains, and I mean you're 400 feet from the edge. It's pretty cool. Oh, wow. And there's there's really not a lot of folks up there. Like Bozeman's, yeah. a pretty, Bozeman's a pretty modern, populated city with like super nice coffee shops and good restaurants, and it's a university town. So it's kind of like the next Boulder, Bend, Oregon. Um, but uh, okay, yeah. once you get outside of Bozeman, like it's it's quite rural, you know. I mean, it's yeah, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and it's culturally much different than really most places in the country that you go to. Yeah, I found that when I went to Yellowstone, it was definitely the most wild in a sense of like animals and like untouched kind of feeling um, than any state park or uh, national park or or whatever that I've ever been to. It was like it felt like I mean, minus the tourists and all the other stuff, but it. It, it, it the fact that there's like bison just like two feet you know two feet away from your car it's kind of kind of insane and then you can see that i'm assuming outside of this park too mm-hmm. maybe um so it's like it's just up there it's like this wild west kind of to me it feels like a wild west kind of vibe yeah <laughs> but, um, if you like go there in the winter time especially it's completely different because all the people are gone and there's a, especially this town called Cook City that you can drive through the park to. And people live there in the wintertime. It's like kind of like the snowmobile headquarters of the country. It's like awesome access for, for sledding and not far from like West Yellowstone and stuff. And you drive through there in the winter and there's just like bison hanging out on the road. But there's there's nobody out there and there's no tourists. It's, it's quite crazy. And like in the summertime, Glacier is really cool because... There's not a lot of easy access, so you can't just like drive roads like you can in Yellowstone to go see places. It's a lot of hiking, but that's also okay. a pretty wild area. It's a, I mean, and just the area around that too. Like on the on the dirt camp trip, I was there. I was my wife's actually from that area, and I went up to visit the week after, and was just driving along the road to this like pretty well known like it's called Pole Bridge, and it's like this coffee shop and bakery out in the middle of nowhere. It's just this little community center, and that's like all that's there. And just rolled past like four or five people pulled over on the side of the road, which isn't common up there. And there's just a massive grizzly bear in this guy's yard, like just gigantic. <laughs> and it just goes to show that like this isn't uh, this isn't just like a a, a tourism <laughs> like like Disneyland. It's like that thing's super dangerous, and it's just like in this dude's yard. Yeah, that's wild. That's literally wild. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, you guys are kind of already, um, I guess, kind of ingrained in being outdoors. But what do you guys do? Like, how do you make time for 
I guess not working and like kind of taking a break from everything. Do, what do, what do you guys like to do? Like being from Montana, because like obviously, I, well, I live in LA or LA area, and it's much different than where I would go. You know what I mean? So yeah, you don't have to go camping. You you like you live kind of outdoors anyways. But do you like the city, or do you like going to, um, outside of the country, or what? What do you? What's like your preference? I guess. I'm always interested in people that yeah. don't live in the city. You know what I mean? So, no, totally. I mean, Bozeman's surrounded by basically all sides by big mountain ranges that are that are pretty significant mountains. So we have really awesome outdoor access. Downtown Bozeman is, I think, like 20 minutes from Bridger Bowl ski area, which is a solid ski hill, and then we're like an hour and a half from Big Sky. So we have a lot of like cool outdoor recreation opportunities. The winter time is a little tough because it, it is pretty cold up here and we do have really long winters. So we'll have snow on the ground from November till about March, April in town. Oh, wow. Pretty steadily. And we'll see like lows of, and I've seen negative 40, but every year we'll get at least negative 20. So it gets, oh, it gets yeah. chilly. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of a lot of cool outdoor opportunities up here. Uh, a lot of our guys um, ski, snowboard. We've got some guys that ice climb. Um, I've been working too much to recreate the last couple of years, um, but definitely working on that work-life balance thing. So I used, used to ski a lot, and I'm going to get back into that. But my wife and I are actually expecting our first kid in like a few weeks. So oh wow. That's gonna be gonna be yeah, thanks. That's gonna be the the main hobby and really pushing towards that work life balance at that point. Um but then yeah. like my partner Wiley, he works like a madman, but he also just takes time. So we he rides uh like adventure motorcycles a lot. Um so he'll he's got like a KTM five hundred that he can go for like a three-day weekend and ride it down to like northern nevada and back on dirt roads so he does oh, awesome does that kind of stuff a lot and then for christmas he'll go to baja every year for about a month and typically that's um around a product testing uh mission in addition to to recreating and going surfing so this year we're um testing a new product line that we're going to come out with in the late winter early spring for a, a whole roof rack product system that we're making mm-hmm. so, so that'll be, uh, that, that we, I guess to answer your question, um, I think a lot of folks are able to get out and get outdoors basically every day from, from Bozeman area, whether it's like going for a mountain bike ride in town or like going skiing. Um, and we really set up our shop culture to promote that kind of activity. So, um, it's really a culture of, for the folks that are working like production, um, and, and building stuff and designing stuff. It's a culture of mutual accountability. So if you can get your work done and it doesn't affect anybody else and doesn't, isn't detrimental to anyone else in that product line or to their deadlines, you can work from 3 PM to 11 PM if you want to, you know? So like yeah. a lot of guys can go skiing in the morning and then come in for work. And as long as they set that up well and like the person who's responsible for that part of the shop's deliverables isn't affected by that and the, and their coworkers aren't negatively affected by that. Um, we really encourage people like taking time to like go out and have fun and 
it gets dark pretty early here. So if you want to work while it's dark and ski while it's light, then that's totally solid. Yeah, that's a great business model. I think it's like the nine to five thing is kind of tough, um, especially nowadays. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't remember the last time I worked nine to five, but, um, <laughs> but it's like, it's pretty, it, it gets boring and it gets like, I mean, I guess it gets mentally exhausting from what I can remember, but um, but I work, I guess, all the time now. It's just different than uh, the typical uh, nine to five kind of setup. But it's nice that you like uh, like quote uh, you know real job is like set up in that way where you do have that flexibility as you would a freelance kind of gig, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it gives people like a little bit more freedom and, it, and then freedom I think relates to um, people getting their work done efficiently. Yeah. And there aren't any jobs where at our shop, like everyone is super important. So there, there aren't any jobs where you can coast, you know, so you couldn't like, be gone all morning and show up for four hours in the afternoon and just do it really quick. That's like, that's not possible because everybody has responsibilities that they have to get done. And by creating that, that culture where like you're appreciated and we appreciate your time and like the time that you spend with us to the point where like, we want you to be responsible for, for what hours you're setting. Um, it, it just enables people and a lot of people do kind of settle into a, a nine to five or more than that four days a week. And then they get a three day weekend. Um, but by giving yeah. people flexibility to do that, um, I definitely think it helps you will be more creative and be more appreciative of, um, or not more appreciative, but be basically more, uh, more willing to innovate and grow the company and feel like they're a part of something as opposed to like, having some sort of like two clock in 10 minutes late, you're fired kind of a thing. Cause that's not like showing respect necessarily yeah. showing respect is like appreciating that somebody can get the work done. And if they, if they do what they need to do to, to be there, be the part of the team that they are, um, it really creates a, a culture where people feel like they actually like are valued for coming into work because we do value our employees a lot and, um, giving them the ability to, schedule time off and to schedule flexible hours um as long as the work gets done is is kind of how that manifests itself and you also find good people because people that aren't self-motivated and aren't willing to to be responsible and accountable kind of come to a head pretty quickly and don't fit in well with that culture so i'd say most of our most of the guys in our shop are are, are really and, and gals are are really self motivated folks that that do have that uh, that that feeling of responsibility to be be, be present and be part of the team and, and want to help grow something cool. Yeah, they have drive. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, uh, which is like uh, I think a big part of saying like you're so lucky on how the way you live and like you get to do whatever you do all these cool things. Like, well, I didn't just give wasn't handed it and you know it takes drive to get to that point and um i think that people that have that are totally 
they get they 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 deserve the way they live, you know. For sure, and yeah. I think like but yeah. the other thing is is your job is making all that stuff look cool. So they might not see what the reality is. Like if you're shooting yeah. ad for Danner or whatever, you know. Like if you're you're like I've done. I've been a part of like some commercial productions where it's like that was fun, but it wasn't like what the product was like that, like the deliverable is totally different than the actual experience. And I, I think yeah. a lot of people think that it's just like all hanging out and, and having a good time. But like when it comes down to it, like if you're making good content, you're working and yeah. And also if you're the one that's out doing all that shooting and you're working for yourself, it's really hard. I mean, Basically, you start your own business so that you can set your own hours so that you can work all the time. Um, there is no time off. So you have a – and if somebody – if something goes wrong on a weekend, you're not like, well, I'll figure it out on Monday. It's like you own that yeah. process. You have to figure it out right now. So there's a, there's yeah. a lot of responsibility there too um, that I don't think is necessarily something that everybody wants. You know? It's a – Yeah, that's it's, true. It, it's like it, – it, I can totally see the merits and and – and, and wanting the, the stability and, and comfort of not being responsible for, for, for everything, you know? Um, yeah. That can be, yeah. can be burdensome. When I think about it, I'm like, I don't have health insurance, you know, like that'd be kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Hopefully you get to the point where you have it all, um, in a way or in, in your own sense, I guess. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely tough uh, to get there and tough to maintain it. I think it's tougher to maintain it, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, surrounding yourself with the right people to help help solve those problems and, and valuing those folks is is the way to make that as, as stable as you can. And we're definitely constantly investing in people and process more than anything else by like miles and miles. So our, our whole goal is to keep growing the company and keep building out products so that we can we can basically provide more and more value for our customer and create an awesome environment for our for our employees to work in. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think that's great. Um, I well, thank you for taking the time. You're you're a super busy guy. <laughs> <Don't worry>. um, <laughs> but we we figured it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, it's just there's a. A lot, a lot of work to go around right now, especially with the kid coming. So we're uh, we're super, super stoked about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, not at that level yet, but one day I'll, I'll understand. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, we'll keep in touch, and thanks for doing this. Yeah, definitely. Super good to chat, and we'll talk soon.